This is episode 41 of Alohomora for July 27th, 2013. everyone. Welcome to another episode of Alohomora. I'm Kat Miller. I'm Rosie Morris. And I'm Laura Riley. And here, our special guest today is a dear friend of all of ours, Alexandra Marr, who's a staff member at MuggleNet. Hi, everyone. Tell, tell everyone where you're from, Alex. I am from Sydney, Australia. Far, far away. It feels like, doesn't it? Very much so. <laughs> so welcome. Um, for those of you that don't know Alex, she is also a transcriber, and she's one of our social media managers as well. Got an all-ladies show today. It's kind of nice, isn't it? It's probably yeah. It's probably the first time this happened. It's like a book club. Feels like feels like <laughs> gossip about the boys. If we were all <laughs> sitting around a fireplace drinking tea, yeah, it would be perfect. <laughs> probably with our knitting. Oh, with our oh, I don't know how to knit. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> oh, Rosie, you can teach us. I, I can try. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. We will not be knitting jumpers for anybody then. <laughs> we fail as being Mrs. Weasley. Okay, well, let's jump in straight away into our comments from last week's episode. As a lot of you have actually pointed out, it it was, you know, it was a short episode. There wasn't a lot going on in that chapter. Um, so the discussion we would have expect, uh, expected to be rather brief, but you guys have actually come up with some really good comments. Um, so thank you for that. Our first one is from Mischief Managed on the forums, um, and it's about Vernon remembering Molly Weasley on the, the train platform. And it says, I agree that it speaks to Vernon's character, but perhaps in a different way. I think Harry has something going when he says that he found it a bit rich of his Uncle Vernon uh, to call anyone dumpy. It just shows how deluded and judgmental the Dursleys are. Vernon himself is not exactly a small person, and Harry makes the comment that Dudley is now wider than he was tall. The Dursleys cannot see anything wrong with themselves, but see everything wrong with those around them, especially wizards and even when it is a criticism that could in itself apply to them. So do you think, uh, so basically the comment saying that um, Vernon was looking down on Mrs. Weasley for being rather large, but he himself is rather large, and he um, can't apply those criticisms to himself, but he will see them in other people. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I think uh, there's a fairly, um, I, I mean, taking a kind of like sexist approach from Vernon's uh eyes he does make a comment when he's talking about like dudley's weight even and himself that it's almost like it's it's fine like he's like i can't remember if he was talking about in relation to his grades or his um his weight but he was talking about how he's like doesn't want like a little like sissy boy like being uh his son but i think you know he's talking about mrs weasley like as a woman like oh like that dumpy woman especially when we see how like bony petunia is that i think he's just being really offensive actually that actually i never thought of that um i wonder if he thinks it's just not okay for women to be large like because petunia is obviously incredibly skinny bony mm -hmm. like i wonder if he would still love her if she was well, well, larger <laughs> you know but i mean think about like aunt marge and everything. yeah but that's his sister he doesn't have to right yeah kiss i think her. It, i think Fundamentally, I think he just is going to uh, criticize anything about people that he's looking to find criticisms with. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do think that he doesn't necessarily see anything wrong with himself or with his son, for that matter. 
No, I agree. Our next comment is actually connected into this argument as well. Um, It's by Slytherin Prefect, again on the forums. Um, And it says, I think that it is definitely true that Vernon remembers Mrs. Weasley because of the negativity he felt towards her. Um, As well as being a witch, she is responsible for giving Harry the love and material belongings that he never got from the Dursleys. At the end of Philosopher's Stone, Harry thanks Mrs. Weasley for the sweater and the fudge that she gave him, and it is at this point that Vernon interrupts them. Throughout the book, the Weasleys take away a lot of the control that the Dursleys had over Harry, um, giving him a place to run to being a prime example of this. So do you guys think there's a kind of almost, a, I don't, not really jealousy, but um, a distrust, I guess, in the fact that she's going against the way that they've treated them, treated Harry for so long? Is that another element into the dislike? I think it could be. Um, the fact that they're not following his wants and wishes, <clears throat> excuse me, um, wants and wishes and ways of how to raise Harry in the way they think he should be raised. Was that three times fast? Or was it wants and wishes and ways? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, oh, wait, what is that, that thing from the movie? It's like a... Uh, um, the, the bubbling, the end of bubbling, are you talking about? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was talking about. A little bit easier. But um, but yeah, actually, I agree with this comment a lot. And sticking with the Weasleys, we've got a comment from Lily Rose. And it says, Okay, here's something I've been wondering for a while, and the invitation chapter is perfect to discuss it. Why is Ron the only Weasley that gets to invite friends over? I would understand if it was a special ex- exception sorry, um, for Harry, because he's an orphan. But then Hermione's always coming over too. Mr. Weasley gives extra top box Quidditch World Cup tickets. Um, and do they go to the twins' friend, uh, the Hogwarts Quidditch commentator who obviously loves the game? No, they bring the Quidditch illiterate Hermione. Seems slightly strange. P.S. I get the narrative value of having Hermione there, but time after time Hermione gets to spend summers with Harry and the Weasleys and none of the other kids get friends. Sad. I have always <laughs> said this. It makes me so mad that Hermione is every summer, and I yes, I agree what the what the person said at the end, that it's the whole narrative value of it. But you know, I've always said that about like, why not Lee? Why doesn't Lee get to go to anything? Uh, <laughs> and even you know what? Not even that. Like Fred and George, maybe they have each other, but like Ginny, like I'm sure she has a friend that we just haven't like seen really. But uh, well, she has Luna eventually, doesn't she? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And also, for that matter, like, Hermione doesn't see her family, which is, a per- she has perfectly fine parents, it's not like the Harry, uh, right. Harry's guardians, she doesn't see him for, like, her whole life, and then <laughs> she spends the summer with them, and then sometimes she stays over for, like, Christmas at Hogwarts, like. Well, she did go to France with them the book before. I think, yeah, Hermione probably does spend at least some time with her family, I don't think she goes she- to the Weasleys the whole summer's. She probably writes letters to them a lot. I feel like she would be the type to stay in touch with her parents while she's at school. Yeah, but like, even also the Weasleys don't have a lot of money and stuff. And even just like feeding them, like they've got to worry about all these kids, plus Harry. And then plus greedy little Hermione, who's just (laughs) looking off of the whole Weasley family. At the same time, though, Harry and Hermione don't have families in the Wizarding World. Yeah, that's actually exactly what one of our uh, our next commenters said. Um, Chai Ravenclaw, or Chi Ravenclaw, I'm not entirely sure, sorry, um, from, from our forum said, maybe because the other Weasley's kids' friends are mostly from the Wizarding World and are able to get tickets to the Quidditch World Cup themselves um, from their parents or otherwise. Hermione is a muggle-born and Harry is orphaned, living with muggles, so they don't have the opportunities to hang out with other witches and wizards and whatnot. Um, maybe the other friends come by to just hang out for a little while when Harry and Hermione aren't there. 
Um, so yeah, as you were saying, Alex, it's like they are detached from the Wizarding World. So by the Weasleys inviting them over and during the summers, then they get this kind of um, kind of real life outside of Hogwarts um, for the magical community that they wouldn't have had before. Yeah, because neither of them would get it without the Weasleys. Yeah, I never actually considered the idea of people just like hanging out, like coming by for an afternoon. That makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> Take back most of my rage. <laughs> And, like, the Weasleys could go to them as well. Like, Luna lives, what, just over two hills away, was it? Something like that, um, from the burrow. So it's not like Ginny couldn't jump on a broomstick and go over there if she wanted to. Well, probably not, because that would be secrecy, but she could go over there easily. <laughs> That's true. Flu powder, perhaps. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think there are definite reasons why um, Harry and Hermione are visiting the Weasleys so often, other than... Um, greed or, or narrative value <laughs> right um, and yeah it would have been nice to have been able to see others visiting them as well I bet there's fan fiction about it there probably definitely is <laughs> <laughs> um, but things like um, why isn't Lee invited to the Quidditch World Cup he he must be there do we not see him in the crowd I mean we see Seamus and people don't we but I, I think we, we heard do see Lee, Lee. I was actually thinking I was trying to remember if Lee was there or not I don't guess we'll find out in a few books' time. Don't they meet him when they're walking through the campground? Lee Jordan isn't mentioned until the Mad-Eye Moody chapter. Hmm. Oh, wow. So he's no. bound to be there. <laughs> probably, like in the background, secretly. There are so many people there that you probably wouldn't yeah. be able to meet more just walking through a campsite. Do we think he's an Ireland fan or Bulgaria fan? It's probably like the rest I of really- the, you know, Ireland, but impressed by Crumb. Um, our next comment is from Infested with Nargles, and it's about Dudley's report card. Um, and it says, I just love the line where Petunia says that Dudley is a gifted boy whose teachers just don't understand him. It makes me think of when he- I was a teacher, and some parents blamed me when their student wasn't successful in my class. I'm sure there are other teachers out there who would have experienced this too. There can't possibly be something wrong with their student and his, uh, and his or her parents. It's definitely the teachers who aren't doing their jobs. People like the Dursleys make our lives impossible. And this comment just made me think that, um, you know, Joe had spent a lot of time um, teaching English as a foreign language. Um, so she probably had at least at least one of these experiences as a teacher. Um, That's right. I forgot she used to be a teacher. Yeah. So I'm sure she had both sides of the picture. <laughs> yeah, very likely. And in response to that comment, we also had one by I Hate Spiders, and I Hate Spiders too, so it's a brilliant username. Um, (laughs) And it says, I agree that Dudley was a bad student, and both Petunia and Vernon had a huge blind spot when it came to him, but I have to say that not all teachers are good either. Um, I had some excellent teachers and had some really bad ones. My seventh grade math teacher was the worst teacher that anyone could ask for. He spent most of the class time telling really bad jokes instead of teaching us math. Following, uh, sorry, fortunately the following year... I had an excellent teacher and math became my best subject. I had another teacher, chemistry, that we spent six weeks on balancing equations and then flew through the actual science part. When I would ask questions, I got, well, everybody else is getting it, so we're moving on. So sometimes it is the teacher, but the parents really should spend the time to help their child get it and or find out if the problem is with the teacher or the student. So those comments kind of back each other up, but from both sides of the argument. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree in a general life way about, you know, sometimes I've had, I have had bad teacher experiences. Like, my seventh grade math teacher also. Um, 
but I think in Dudley's case, he's just awful. Yeah, it's yeah. This time it's most likely to be Dudley, and the teacher will probably get punched or something if they tried to talk out. I wonder if there's a thing about seventh grade teachers because my seventh grade science teacher used to eat worms. That's quite strange. Yeah. I don't really know what seventh <laughs> grade is in in my kind of structure, oh. so I don't know how if I can. Compare. So that would be um, if we included kindergarten. That I think would I was. Be I think I was year. like eleven years old or twelve. Okay. So yeah, it's probably like seventh or eighth. Yeah. Year seven or eight here as well. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think I had quite good teachers in year seven. Okay, well, we're going to move on to our uh, podcast question of the week responses. Last week, our question was that Harry really starts to stand up for himself with the Dursleys uh, with the ability to threaten him with the idea of Sirius. We asked, would this have been possible without that crux of Sirius? Would Harry have found that confidence with some- without something with which to push back the Dursleys. Okay, so this first comment disagrees, and it says, from Hallows Master 97 says, I believe that Harry needed help to gain confidence, which he shows in this chapter. It was only because of Sirius that Harry was able to bring all, all his books and other school stuff into his room. The fact that he was allowed to study magic and contact Ron and Hermione helped a lot in building his confidence and raising his self-esteem. Of course, all of that was only possible because Harry threatened the Dursleys with his murder-convicted godfather. <laughs> I really don't think I don't. I really don't see any other way that Harry could have gained this confidence without Sirius. So that was really our only comment um, from all the comments that was outright disagreeing, saying that Harry absolutely needed Sirius. Uh, most of the other comments were all saying that Harry would find the confidence, such as this comment from Arisid Dream. It said, Harry did not need the threat of Sirius in order to stand up to the Dursleys. However, I believe that Harry enjoyed using it against them. At 14, Harry has been through so much and been faced with many a menacing presence. I think that the reality of how futile Vernon's threats are and how little power and influence they have over him have dawned on Harry at this stage. There was really no question of whether the Mongols would allow him to go to the World Cup. The Weasleys were coming regardless. Harry just used this ominous threat of a murderous, overprotective godfather to torment the Dursleys, much like they have tormented him in the past. It's revenge time. <laughs> yeah, personally, I think I agree uh, more along the lines of this, that Harry, it, it comes down to the fact that he's just getting older, and even just teenagers under less arduous circumstances become rebellious and say, like, no, I'm not going to listen to you. So I think Harry's just getting older and realizing that it so doesn't matter what the Dursleys think or do. <laughs> Did he really not have his stuff um, the year before? He did. So it's not only because of Sirius that Harry was able to have his school stuff in his room. Um, because I think he it, was studying at the beginning of Prisoner. Right, but I think he was doing it fairly. I mean, that was out of books. Secretly. Entirely, but yeah, secretly. Right now he's doing it like out in the open. Like His stuff is just everywhere. Yeah, previously he had true. to like grab a few books and the rest of it was locked in the cupboard under the stairs, I think. This time um, he's actually managed to keep his whole trunk upstairs. I also think that it's not necessarily giving Harry more confidence, but it's just giving him the ability to do what he wants without having so much trouble given to him from the Dursleys. Mm, yeah, definitely agree. I think... I. I do think that Harry would have had the confidence without Sirius, but he's a smart kid, so he's going to use the most effective method of getting back at the Dursleys as possible. And that is, as this comment says, his murder-convicted godfather. 
I think he's also just not afraid of them anymore. I mean, the the major thing, the last time we saw him with the Dursleys was when he accidentally blew up at Marge and left the house because he was afraid of getting kicked out of Hogwarts. But he was mm-hmm. never afraid of, you know, Vern's reaction uh, to, the, to the problem. Right, um, the last time we kind of see that is when he's afraid of what's going to happen with Dobby being there. Yeah. In the beginning of Chamber. So, so he... He's had, you know, three years now where he knows that there's a life outside of um, kind of the the horrors he faced in his childhood. Um, And he knows that there's always going to be somewhere to escape to. And even if he does really need to escape, as he did last year, there is definitely an answer of where he can go. And there's not going to be too bad of a repercussion. Um, And also there's just much more scary things out there that are much more threats, bigger threats. So I think that kind of gives him... A reason why he doesn't need to be afraid of the Dursleys and yeah he can talk back to them and there's nothing they can do. Alright this next comment comes from Rebecca Haynes says at this point even though Harry does not talk about his Hogwarts life it must have become clear to them that Harry had a life in the wizarding world and people he was connected to the Weasleys had already helped him escape the ministry wizard showed up to fix Aunt Marge Vernon could have just thrown the letter out, but he knew that this dumpy sort of woman, as he said, would likely cause issues for the Dursleys if she was unable to contact Harry. And the last thing he wanted was fully grown wizards showing up at his door and even turning them all into pigs. This already gave Harry a crux in the conversation with Vernon, even if Sirius had not been involved. Not to mention Hagrid. Like, in the oh, Hagrid. first one. Like, I mean, they do kind of allude to it with the pig thing. But, uh, yeah, pretty much every time... Vernon has tried to defy Harry. It's really not worked out in his favor. So, Although, yeah, I don't think Vernon would be necessarily afraid of, or even intimidated by Molly, regardless of the fact that she's a wizard, a witch. Okay, at, at this moment we'd like to remind our fans that they can now purchase the Harry Potter ebooks and audiobooks directly from the Alohomora website, thanks to Pottermore, and they get 10% off if you purchase the entire series. Um, both of these are available in a variety of languages. So you've got German, Italian, British English, British English. I can't even speak it myself. Um, British <laughs> English, um, US English, and for the audiobooks, and then Castellano, uh, German, British English, and US English, French, Italian, and Japanese for the ebooks. Um, you can also buy the ebook only of Beetle the Bard and Fantastic Beasts and Quidditch Through the Ages. And of course, the proceeds for these go to the charities of Lumos and Comic Relief. And don't forget that if you order all of them at the same time, you get 10% off the entire series, which really does help out if you are trying to buy them all at once, because it's quite a hefty amount. Um, and that you can find the exclusive download, uh, exclusive discount links sorry, on alohomora.mogonet.com. So let's jump into our chapter discussion for the week. Chapter four. Back to the burrow. <laughs> I'm really excited to start it, actually. Um... Everyone on the the forums and stuff, too, have been saying how excited they are for this chapter. There's a lot of comic hilarity in this chapter. Thanks to my boys. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of the, I think it's one of the the worst scenes that they've cut from the movies. It would have been uh, a brilliant scene. Totally thing agreed. So sad. I mean, I understand why they did. Because the way they cut the movie in the end, um, you know, Harry woke up from the dream and he was already at the burrow. Like, fine. Mm-hmm whatever but make it, it an extra such, scene it is such a long book that there was no way they could ever have done it without cutting important bits but it's they really, really kind of 
I mean, we'll get to this, but like they kind of cut out most of, if not all of the whole wizard Weasley, Weasley wizard Weezy's, uh, thing up until Order of the Phoenix, right? Yeah. yeah. We'll get there in like 40 weeks or whatever, but well, this, this movie is the only one that I walked out of the theater, like not midway through, but after the movie was over, I walked out and I was livid. I was so mad. Um, but like I said, we'll get there. So at the end of the last chapter, we left, we left Harry. He was in bliss, pretty happy, uh, knowing that he was going to be leaving the Dursleys about two whole weeks before it was originally planned. And at the beginning of this chapter, chapter four, the bliss is still there. He's still really happy. But it's paired with almost crippling anxiety, not just from him, but in the whole house. Uh, the Dursleys obviously weren't prepared for a whole gaggle of wizards to appear in their home the very next day. Um, so we start off here. There's a bit of dialogue, the first bit in this chapter, and it's Vernon. He says, I hope you told them to dress properly, these people. And I just thought it was interesting that once again, we already know at this point from, you know, the three previous books and the previous chapters that the Dursleys are pretty prejudiced. But here it is immediately, right again, they're setting it right up and showing that Vernon's quite the bully. And the one thing that I thought about was, didn't Petunia grow up around, you know, she grew up around her sister. She should know that wizards do, in fact, dress normally rather often. But they don't. They don't really. I think that's kind of a... Well, two things. Um, I think that's some sort of a movieism that we see that the people dress more like mugglish. Um, reading the kids, they you know they do say that the kids do on the holidays, but the adults rather rarely do. But also, um, you know, Lily was muggle-born, so that's I doubt she would kind of change everything about herself. Yeah, and the one time that we do hear of um, kind of Petunia coming across a young wizard um, when when they were young was when she came across Severus and he was wearing wizard robes um, and she is mentioned saying that he's dressing funny I think or that um, mm-hmm. or he's mentioned saying that she dresses funny I can't remember which way around it is but yeah the normal wizards don't dress like normal muggles they wear wizard robes most of the time are there normal wizards as in normal <laughs> you just said you just said yeah. the normal wizards and i was like i don't think there's any normal wizards as in those that aren't <laughs> interacting with the muggle community so often sure um, got it like dumbledore yeah got people it. who aren't within muggle families okay um and then surprisingly on uh the next page i know noah will be really proud of this but um i actually felt kind of bad for dudley like <laughs> <laughs> his first encounter with wizards was just so awful you think that instead of, you know, kind of walking around the house, grasping his bottom the whole time, that he might leave instead of, you know, be terrified. But of course not, the poor guy. And so at the bottom of page 40 in the U.S. edition, um, Vernon's comment, he barks across the table kind of while they're eating a very awkward silent lunch. And he says, they'll be driving, of course, question mark. And I wondered, why hadn't Harry thought to ask the Weasleys? The wizarding world has so many different ways of... Transportation. Transportation, thank you. That's the word. <laughs> um, and is Harry in this moment acting a little bit like a muggle and assuming that they would be driving? See, I just don't think that Harry would have even considered how he would be getting to the Weasleys. I think his main priority would be just getting away from the Dursleys. I don't think it would have even occurred to him. Or he just wouldn't have cared. He would have just been happy that he was going. 
Yeah, I think yeah. he's so excited about leaving and about the fact that the Weasleys are coming and the fact that he's going to go to the Quidditch World Cup that he just really hasn't thought about the practicalities of it at all. So, but... Mm, okay, sure. But I understand what you're saying um, as far as, like, Harry... I, I agree that, you know, it wouldn't have even come up to his mind, but let's say it did. Um, I think he kind of does give, I think, Mr. Weasley a bit of credit just in the sense that the last time that they were driving in Muggle places, that they were, in fact, driving. And I think that's what his thought process was, was like, oh, well, you know, like, it wasn't, they weren't so, like, brash as to just, like, do wizard transportation the last time they had to go to, you know, a Muggle area that I think he just kind of assumes. Didn't they have a driver? Yeah, they had ministry drivers. Yeah, I thought so. Um, but I would, I would time, never... I I don't think he's necessarily thinking like a muggle. I think he's just thinking like a kid. Like, you know, he's only yeah. 14. He's not really bothered about the stuff that doesn't concern him. He hasn't had to organize it. So that's true. He hasn't thought and also about for it. that matter, he doesn't um, know necessarily every, he's not like knowledgeable on every way of transportation that, you know, adult wizards can do. Like, I don't think he's expecting them to like come on broomstick, but, you know. <sighs> that's true. The last time he left the Dursleys was on the night bus, so that's almost like a car anyway, and that's also why he probably might have not even crossed his mind. Right. Could you imagine getting behind a wheel or getting in a car with Arthur driving? Let's just talk about that for a minute. (laughs) Well. Awful. Speaking (laughs) is not the best driver in the world. Alexandra can attest to. Um, <laughs> you know, they're probably better off with uh, any the wizard than most some muggles. I could just see him stopping at every everything that's plugged in, <laughs> every everything they drive by, so he can stop and inspect. He'd wait at traffic lights so he can see all three colors and marvel at them. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true. It's probably true. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so right before the Weasleys are due to arrive, um, I thought this little paragraph was really great. It says that, you know, Petunia is straightening the house. Vernon is staring at a newspaper but not reading it. And <laughs> poor Dudley is still walking around the house <laughs> holding his bottom. Drawing but, attention to it, really. Th- I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's so large, I think no matter what, it's going to draw attention Hard to, to miss. it. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but we know Petunia is, she likes to impress and I know that cleaning is a lot of th- something that a lot of people do when they're anxious or nervous or scared or whatever. But do we think at all even one percent of her is trying to impress the Weasleys? Definitely, sure. I think it's ah. a very English thing to do as well. If you're having visitors ah. in your home, you make sure everything is fine, so um, that there's nothing possible that they can judge you about. Yeah, um, I think it. It also, like, what they were saying about Vernon being in his best suit, but, like, not as a gesture of goodwill, but as a, like, dominant kind of thing of being, like, I'm better than you. Yeah. yeah. That I think it kind of is comes down to that of not just, like, wanting to show off your, like, impressive home, but wanting to be, like, I have a better home than you. Like, look how clean and perfect I am, normal I am. Which is kind but, of hilarious, because if anyone knows how bad it's been, it's going to be the Weasleys. Harry will have told them. Yeah. Also, the Weasleys could care less yeah. <laughs> but I think that- Molly would clean her house as much if anyone was coming to visit her I think it's not a particularly oh yeah definitely thing. it's just it's being house proud and they're both quite house proud women mm-hmm. 
And it's actually funny because it, you mentioned that it's a British thing. The next line that I was um, that jumped out at me, I was going to ask you if this was a British thing. They say that maybe they think they'll get invited to dinner if they're late. <laughs> I mean, um, okay. Um, I recently went to um, one of my my grandparents' um, wedding anniversary, and they it was um, it was kind of a lunch thing. And my family, you know, we, we stick around, we have lunch, we then chat for hours, and then we expect kind of tea in the afternoon. Um, <laughs> so, yes, it's quite a British thing to kind of, if you're arriving at a certain time, then there should probably be a meal around then as well. Um, I mean, I'm not, I would, I don't, think I don't know if it's a British thing necessarily. It's, it's like, it's not, I would never expect anything personally, but I know... Like, if people were to come over my house and they're coming over at a certain time, like, if, you know, I've had my roommate came over the other day, but it was, like, around, like, 4 o'clock, you know, that's getting towards dinner time that since she was staying there, then, you know, like, I offered her dinner just because, like, girls got to eat. Yeah, it's so. it's, a good, it's just a nice host thing, I think. Um, so, yeah. I don't think it's necessarily expected and I don't think it's necessarily just a British thing, but um, it, it does happen occasionally. <laughs> Well, similarly at home, whenever someone invites us over, say, 2.30 in the afternoon, we kind of always think, oh, maybe they don't want to feed us lunch or dinner, so they're calling <laughs> us just so they can give us a lighter snack food instead of us, instead of preparing an actual meal. <laughs> yeah. That's generally how we yeah. associate because we always offer, um, as you both have said, if they come over close to lunch or close to dinner, we will offer them oh, do you want to stay for lunch or do you want to stay and have dinner with us? And maybe just to avoid doing that. Yeah. yeah. Obviously the Dursleys didn't want that to happen. Hilarity would have ensued, I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been great. That would be the most awkward dinner you would ever sit through. It would be like Dumbledore in a couple books where the glasses are hitting them upside the head (laughs) and they're just ignoring it the whole time. (laughs) Whatever. Okay. So the Dursley, I mean the Dursleys, the Weasleys are late. Um, I'm beginning to think that wizards are always late to everything, but whatever. Anyway, um, so then all of a sudden, all the Dursleys are running across the room, screaming because there's some noise. And Harry goes running in there and is like, what happened? What's wrong? And there's noises coming from behind the fireplace. And Petunia says, what is it? What is it, Vernon? And then they can hear voices. And I'm thinking, really? Like, what is it? <laughs> she has no guesses at all about what's going on. Like, you're hearing voices. They have no experience of flu powder, so they wouldn't expect anyone to be coming out of their non-existent fireplace. But did her sister not use it growing up? I doubt it. Not in a muggle I home. Doubt yeah, I think, I think um, people tend to give pitching you too much credit as far as her knowledge about the wizarding world. I think she has vague ideas of things but i don't think that you know she was certainly asking any questions about things and that lily was like bragging and talking up about things i think she has a very rudimentary knowledge of the wizarding world to know big things like voldemort but not like you know details like flu networks and stuff yeah and once. at the same Sorry, at the ahead. same time too she majorly lives in the muggle world she knows about the magical world so things like that are not going to come to her head um, immediately. They're still going to seem very silly and foreign to her. Yeah, I agree. 
I mean, no matter what, it's still, like, abrasive, like, you know, for it to be happening. Considering, um, like, the last real contact she had with the Wizarding World, other than her sister, um, was, you know, the letter from Dumbledore saying that she would never be able to go to Hogwarts. Um, She probably, at that point, properly rejected anything um, that would have been kind of Wizarding information. Again, up until the point where, you know, her sister is in danger and she finds out about maybe um dementors and you know um Voldemort himself um so yeah the kind of day-to-day wizarding stuff she has deliberately kind of blocked from her mind so she wouldn't if she if she ever heard about flu powder she wouldn't really care about it that much that's true true, true. also they say that you know the flu network isn't hooked up to like muggle fireplaces or something like that um so yeah i really doubt she would have come in contact with it so then of course you know harry is trying to explain to the dursleys what's going on as friend george and arthur and ron are all stepping on each other that has that's pro- how are four people even fitting in that fireplace is the first question but we not comfortably no definitely not um but i always laugh and it always makes me smile on page 43 of the u.s edition where Harry says, you know, they've tried to get here by flu powder, and he's fighting a mad desire to laugh, which I just love. It always makes me smile, because um, mm-hmm. Harry is uh, it's just the dirt of the, uh, the Weasleys. They're awesome. So, you know, Harry explains that the fireplace is all boarded up, and that the Dursleys have an electric fireplace. And, of course, Arthur, suddenly all excited about seeing the fireplace. <laughs> um Harry says, is the fireplace still boarded up because of the mail from Sorcerer's Stone? Like, why is it boarded up otherwise? Is that a movieism, though? Is it? I was... No, um... Maybe? That's true. They, I think the letters are described as flying out of the flying place. Fireplace, even. Um, in, in the first book. So, yeah, maybe they decided to stop this damn peck of owls. Um... By by going down the electric fire route at that point. I mean, because why would the fireplace be boarded up anyway? Well, I it's, wonder, it's a lot of fireplaces are boarded up in England. Like we we generally oh, really? avoid open fires. Yeah, I'm thinking that what they're probably talking about is it's like a a facade. Yeah. You know. Oh, okay. I was picturing like maybe because of the illustration that's in the book, but it like looks like you know like boarded up like. Like, oh, like it, it will be filled in and then there'll be an electric fireplace in front of it. Oh, okay. I see that's how that's misleading, though. I just looked at the picture. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, like, see how there's, like, wood and nails falling, like, coming out? Like, it looks really? like they were, like, boarded it up. Like, okay. Yeah, that that's not <laughs> what happened. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> anyway, okay, so they're all fighting with each other. There's some classic Fred and George and Ron comedy in here. It's just, again, if this was in the movie, brilliant. So then, of course, you know, they're trying to figure out how to get out. What are they going to do? And Arthur's like, okay, clearly the only option is to completely destroy the fireplace by blasting it to smithereens. (laughs) I mean, that's obviously the only option. Um, So the electric fire shoots across the room as the boarded up fireplace completely explodes, gets dirt and dust everywhere. And as Arthur steps out of the fireplace, you know, he he extends his hand to the Dursleys trying to greet them. But nope, they're having absolutely none of it. Um, And I was thinking that if I were the Dursleys 
at this point, regardless of how frightened I was, I would be so mad. I'd be pissed no, if somebody I, blew up my fireplace from the I totally inside. agree. Like, as much as I hate, obviously, like, the Dursleys and their reaction towards everything, like, you know, it's they're acting very nonchalant about the whole the fact that they just destroyed their living room of being like, oh, yeah, like, we're going to repair it in a minute, I guess. But <laughs> still, right. you know. I don't think they're necessarily the, nonchalant. They're just speechless, like. You no, 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 I, no the Weasleys. The Weasleys, oh, okay. like Mr. Weasley. He's just like, instead of being like, oh my god, I am so sorry, I just destroyed everything. <laughs> I promise I'm going to fix it. He's just like, oh, no bother. Like, I'm, yeah. I'll nip it up in a second, but not too soon. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I can put it right in a jiffy, though. Don't worry. Is the exact line. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> what Sorry. I was going to add in here was... um. It, we'll talk about it a little bit more as we finish the chapter, but why are the Dursleys so irrationally afraid of Arthur and the Weasleys? I can understand that Petunia is um, scared because of what happened to her sister, but where does this extreme fear, particularly from Uncle Vernon, come from? Is um, it because he's feeling guilty? No, I think, like, as we've as we discussed in the last chapter, you know, He's being threatened by Sirius Black. Um, the only other experience of a wizard that he's had was Hagrid. Um, I think his limited, you know, contact with um, wizards and what they've actually done to him um, in in that experience is a pretty terrifying thing. Um, it, it's not so irrational after all. Um, yeah. Even uh, if even if not Arthur in particular, then you know there is still some kind of association to these terrible events that keep happening to him that is all connected to magic. Right, yeah, I agree with what Rosie's saying, and, like, he's almost, like, bra- it's not so much a fear as it is, like, bracing, like, what are you going to do next? In that, like, he was expecting something bad to happen, he was right, that destroyed his living room, and now it's, like, what's going to happen next? Like, like you said, like, last time they had to deal. First, you know, Harrogood barged down the door, and then Dudley got injured, and that's exactly what happens again, the barging down of you know, stuff, yeah. and then Dudley's about to, you know, something's about to happen to Dudley. <laughs> so, I mean, they were, they were able to track him right into the middle of nowhere in, like, this island that no one knew that he was there, so there's no escape from them. They can give you pigtails, they can blow you up, they can do <laughs> terrible, terrible <laughs> right, yeah. things, and there's nothing you it, can do about it. Exactly, I forgot about Aunt Marge. Yeah. <laughs> so they, as much as they're prejudiced and everything, slightly justified. <laughs> not like slightly just because they have not had pleasant experiences due to you know their own fault but you know as arthur is you know apologizing for basically blowing apart the fireplace he explains that muggle fireplaces aren't supposed to be connected strictly speaking uh you know to the flu network but he has a useful contact at the flu regulation panel and i begin to wonder do we think that this applies to wizards with non-wizard parents, so Muggleborns, do we think they would be connected to the flu network? No, I, think, I don't think so. I think you wouldn't. Why would you connect um, a, a flu network fireplace to a child's fireplace? For one thing, and if you have, like, how you are they going to? What up, if they need to go to St. Mungo's, an emergency? I assume that there will be some kind of wizarding NHS, well, <laughs> and there'll the be an ambulance that- service or something. Technically, if they're getting injured at home, they're not supposed to be doing magic. Exactly. But what if they have an emotional reaction? 
Well, then like, we know that the trace can trigger um, the Department of Regulation or whatever it is, and uh, the people that come out and fix things, um, as they did last year with Aunt Marge. Like, right. the, there are backups. They don't need the flu network for any of these things. Yeah, they could probably operate, I suppose, right? Yeah. They had to. Yep. So, yeah, you wouldn't um, you wouldn't connect a fireplace to a, a child's um, a child's fireplace to a, a network, and when you're an older wizard then you're more likely to have moved out of your parents' house and not be living with muggles anymore. Okay, so let's pretend that you're older and you haven't moved out. Can your muggles, can, you know, like Hermione's parents, for example, can they use the flu network? I still don't think so. No. I mean, we do see them at, pla- at um, we see them at Platform 9 and 3 quarters and we see them at, um, you know, Diagon Alley. Um, so they, they do have some access to wizarding things that mugg- normal muggles wouldn't. Um, but I doubt that they would want to travel by flu network anyway. I just don't um, see a necessity for it. No. Um, because, you know, if they're muggles, then, you know, it's... They they don't really need to be going, you know, in, in many wizarding places that can't be gotten to from, like, a different method. And like, also, you know, the flu network comes with a lot of responsibility in that um, you can't really... I, I would imagine, like, Adults, they have to have, like, a courtesy of, like, that they're not just going to pop into someone's home in their fireplace. Yeah, the same Which is what they're doing here. But, uh, you know, um, children, you know, if given access to the flu network and being able to do it on themselves, may not think about that and be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go there because I can. I mean, I guess if there are wizarding children who have parents that are kind of denying their wizarding nature um, in, in the same way that, you know, Harry's Guardian's are not kind of supportive of him being a wizard. Um, that you might get some kind of um, possibility for that child to have access to the wizarding world separately from their parents and from other things. Um, and I guess that's why the flu regulation panel exists, so that they can kind of fix problems like this. Otherwise, kids might, kids might start to throw things in there like their pets to see what happens. Like their owl, right? We discussed that before. <laughs> I know. I just think it's Poor so owls. funny. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. Okay, so this part always makes me laugh too, where you know, Arthur's trying to make conversation with the with the Dursleys and he's like, Oh yeah, so all these plugs and everything, they run off uh electricity, right? And he's like, Oh, I see all the plugs, I collect plugs. And batteries. Like, I have a huge collection of batteries. And they're just and, like, what? <laughs> and he's like, my wife thinks I'm mad. <laughs> and I can only, like, picture a thought bubble coming out of Vernon's head that's like, yeah, yeah, so so do I. Obviously, <laughs> you are very, very insane. And so the awkwardness and the, the hilarity continues where at the bottom of page 46 it says, um, he referring to Dudley and Ron exchange glances and then look quickly away. And is this only because they're close in age? Um, because surely Harry doesn't talk about Ron to Dudley. So why would they be awkward? Other than, you know, the clearly irrational fear. I think um, it's more like Ron's kind of measuring up Dudley based on like everything he's been told. Like just kind of like looking at him and kind of and Dudley's looking at him kind of with that fear and it's just like a both looking at each other moment for different reasons but then not being wanting to like caught looking at each other because neither (laughs) respects each other so they just like look away 
Ron's probably quite embarrassed by his dad as well. Like he knows that the plug thing's weird. Um, so he wouldn't want to be judged. And he knows that Dudley's going to be one of the people that's judging him. And Dudley looks away because, you know, he's scared of wizards. So yeah, and Ron is definitely one to be worried about being judged yeah. and what people think of him. So as they're, you know, friend George go up to get Harry's trunk and they bring it back down and they're getting ready to leave and Arthur lights, you know, the fire in in the fireplace. And Fred, of course, accidentally drops, you know, sweets from his pocket, which go rolling all about the room. He manages to snag seemingly all of them up. And then he, George, and Ron leave the scene. And as Harry is leaving, you know, he says, okay, well, bye. And Arthur stops him and makes a big deal about the fact that the Dursleys didn't say bye to him. And I'm wondering why. Why does he make a big deal about about this? Because surely by now he's gathered that the Dursleys basically suck and couldn't care less. I don't think he knows. I don't think that Harry would have told either Arthur or uh, Molly about his home situation. Um, I think... Yeah. Partly because he, he doesn't want to seem weak or... Um, he, he almost doesn't want them to worry about him as but, well. But they know that he's been locked in his room with bars on the window. That's well, true. Yeah, I mean, I think they have a basic idea that maybe that uh, they're strict and that they're very, you know, mugglish and everything like like that. But I don't think he really fathoms just how little they could possibly care about Harry. Yeah, the also just because just because Arthur, like, obviously he knows Harry is a good kid. That he's like, there's no reason for Harry to be treated that way. And since yeah, Arthur doesn't really know everything about about the backstory, he knows they're unpleasant people. Um, and you know, that they've done unpleasant things and Harry isn't happy with them, but he's like, oh my God, like seriously, like that's, you're not, you're like related and you like take care of him and you're not going to see him for an entire year. And like, that's all you have to say, which is nothing. Like he just can't fathom it. And the fact that we've already seen that Mrs. Weasley has sent the letter to, um, to the Dursleys as well. Like they still think that there is some way of kind of, you know, adult to adult respectfully talking to each other. Um, which I think that they, they then you know, after this point, they don't try that again. Um, so I think I think maybe Arthur, at this point, he's trying to make the situation better. Like, he, he wonders that maybe if he points it out right now that they might improve in the future. Um, and just kind of highlights how bad that they're treating him. He's such an optimist. Yeah. <laughs> Considering also that love is such an important theme in the series, perhaps it's just an early reinforcement of how much we should value it and how important love is. And even if it's not love, just tolerance and respect, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. And how much better the Weasleys are than the Dursleys. And, and also as Mr. Weasley readers, loves maybe we've become somewhat desensitized to just how badly they do treat Harry. And it is still wrong. We know it's wrong. But consider being Arthur and seeing it for the very first time it True. actually happening, this complete and utter disrespect towards their own blood, it must be pretty shocking for him, unlike how it is to us. Yeah, because to the, to the, you know, the Weasleys, family is everything. Mm-hmm. That's, that's basically all they have a lot of the time, is each other. Yeah. I agree with what you said, Alex, about it being, um, about us being desensitized, because I think it's the reason why we don't get as upset about um, the way the Dursleys treat Harry 
so much is frustrated is because Harry, like, almost doesn't care about the Dursleys, and it's not like he's sitting there, like, crying in his room being like, I wish I had the affection of my aunt and uncle. And he's just frustrated, you know, with the way that they they treat him and stuff, but not because he's yearning really for their love and affection. That we see it that way, but, you know, Arthur is looking at it and being like, oh my god, like, there's no type of, like you're saying, like, love and respect and affection and family ties and all that. So Arthur is seeing it like that. But we are kind of desensitized to really get, like, typical typical Dursley and Harry doesn't actually care. That's what he's saying. Like, oh, it's not a big deal. Right as, you know, Harry is about to leave or approaching the end of the chapter here, um, right before he steps into uh, the fireplace, of course, Dudley starts gagging in the corner of the room. You know, he's kneeling beside the coffee table and he is choking on a foot-long purple slimy thing that is protruding from his mouth. And that is disgusting. Like, why in the world would Fred and George, first off, make a treat, uh, you know, a candy that is like that? And, I mean, why? Just why? What kind of spell is that? That's disgusting. Well, I mean, I think it's it's not supposed to be like a treat for yourself. The whole idea is that they're pranksters. It's supposed to be exactly for the purpose that they used it for as, you know this ridiculous thing that they're not going to eat for themselves you know they probably have to test it on themselves and stuff but you're not supposed to just eat it in the same thing way the puking pastels are like they have a purpose and it's not for enjoyment but they could um, have legitimately like killed dudley yeah no that's very true you could have like completely like choked i guess i mean i guess he could still breathe through his nose but um wait no i don't know i don't know i think the <laughs> like the gagging part of it is more him you know him um reacting badly to it because he doesn't understand what's going on and he's worried i don't think it's like actually blocking his airway or anything like that um and like in my um in my kind of this week's reading post for this chapter i, I described it as kind of looking like the pokemon lickitung mm-hmm. um only and- noah gets that I okay get it. i got no i get it, it. Google oh, it. you do it okay yeah <laughs> um and i think it's just it's, it's quite a childish thing to do isn't it like you you stick your tongue out at someone um as a as a mean thing or a practical joke um and it's just kind of a exaggerated version of that um and it's it's relatively unharmful um and again like if there's if there's a remedy for it and you can just shrink it down again it's fine it is just a practical joke um but yeah it's gross (laughs) i had never thought about it like a like you know like someone sticking their tongue out of somebody that's so funny but why purple well, I don't. I think it's just like not like if you were to engorge, like I feel like if you were to engorge your tongue, it would be purplish. Like, oh, yeah, okay. it's kind of pink anyway at the moment. So like, it's like not, the under it's not that the underside of your tongue feeling purpley. Kind of, okay, kind of purple. And if like if it's I I consider it like swelling. Like if you have like swelling oh, okay. in your skin, it's like that's how I see this whole thing basically yeah. is like swelling. That's what I thought as well. And I thought too that this was um, clearly the, the the early stages of the Weasley wizarding wheezes. Mm-hmm. See, I'm quite impressed that they've actually managed to create something that does this, um, considering what we know about Fred and George and their kind of academic prowess. Um, the fact that they are actually able to, um, you know, manufacture these sweets and make them look normal until you eat them, and then this happens, and to kind of. 
um, mm-hmm. add the charm into them is a really impressive thing to do. And as we see, you know, through later chapters and later books, they get more and more impressive. How um, Hermione-ish of you. I mean, that's true. Mm-hmm. That I think that's exactly what she says, that it's impressive magic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously, I've always said they're my favorites, but um, one of the many reasons that I love them is just because Oliver. of how talented... <laughs> Yes, that's number one reason. I said one of the many reasons. Um, <laughs> but uh, the now, now I've lost my train of thought. Now I'm thinking about Oliver. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that they are really talented, truly, and they are smart. They're not just like losers who just you know because academics don't suit them and stuff like that. It's not to say that they aren't talented, and I think that is a lot of people's cases where you know they're not you know, book-driven or school-driven, but they certainly are talented in something and they certainly have uh, something to bring to the world. So, I mean, that pretty much wraps up the chapter. The only thing that happens is, you know, Arthur finally tells Harry to just leave, just go, I'll handle it. And uh, so Harry kind of rushes away in, you know, his green flames as Petunia continues to tug on Dudley's purple tongue. And See, that's the it. worst bit to me. Like, why would oh, you Petun- do that? Yeah, tugging on it? That's not going to help. But she's crazy. What does she know? And um, Vernon and Arthur are having a fight with ornaments that he's chucking at his head. So, crazy. How gross that would be. Like, if you think, like, like if you were like, grab your tongue right now, like, it's, like, weird. But, like, if you imagine it being, like, five feet long, like, holding ah. that, that's disgusting. It's kind Absolutely of like disgusting. when Harry loses all the bones in his arm. Mm-hmm. Ugh. That yeah. Yeah. grosses me out. <laughs> disgusting. But yeah, so my vote is if they ever redo the movies, I want this scene. Mm-hmm. Not that my vote counts at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were they were thinking about it, but now now it's on the table. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Okay, so this for the podcast question of the week this is my first time doing a podcast question of the week. <laughs> no pressure. Um, yeah. So I want to know how would this whole situation potentially have gone differently if Molly had been the one to pick up Harry instead of Arthur? Uh, would they have been less afraid or less offended by Molly instead of the way Arthur handles things? Would the twins have even tried the gag in front of their mother? Uh, would the Dursleys have reacted as rudely no matter who it was just for them being a wizard? So we're going to post this question on our main site, alohamora.mugglenet.com. So if you want your answers to that read, comment on that post. Okay, and we just want to thank you, Alex, again, for being on this episode with us. It's been a lot of fun. I've had a wonderful time. Thank you for having me. Sure, absolutely. Thank you very much. And if you guys would like to be on the show like Alex was today, um, you can go over to our website, which is alohamora.mugglenet.com, or you can email us at alohamorapodcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, remember to subscribe and leave us a a review on iTunes. And in the meantime, if you just want to keep in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at AlohomoraMN, Facebook.com slash Open the Dumbledore, or you can leave us a voicemail at 206-GO-ALBUS. That's 206-462-5287. And be sure to check out our store, which you can find the link on our main site. Uh, you can There you can get t-shirts, host shirts, um, different tote bags. We're coming, tote bags, yeah. We're coming out with uh, new designs that you guys have been waiting for for a very long time but we already have some new designs up there anyway so go check that out and don't forget our app as well which is available in the us and uk for iphone ipad android and kindle Um, and now in the us only it is also available on the windows 8 phone 
um, and that is for a dollar ninety nine or a pound twenty nine pence. And there are transcripts, bloopers, alternate endings, host vlogs, and much more on there. So it's worth checking out. So that's it. Uh, thank you guys all again for joining us. I'm Cam Miller. I'm Laura Riley. And I'm Rosie Morris. Thank you for listening to episode 41 of Alohomora. Open the Dumbledore. been sad that lee was never in future movies i know especially since for anyone that's a community fan like the guy has like a like supporting role in community and he's hilarious pop pop he was actually a contestant in project runway here we had our own version which was actually called project catwalk and he was one of the designers on it (laughs) i didn't know that that's amazing it's a brilliant brilliant series and he's a really good designer so yeah try and try and find it if you can dude i'm totally doing that (laughs) <laughs> but he That's doesn't really mention cool. Harry Potter once while he's on there. <laughs> it's really hilarious. Well, people would be like, you were in that movie? What? <laughs> You're lying. <laughs> oh awesome. But anyway, to get back on topic. <laughs> <laughs> Never.